Speaking of, of building and, and protected and all that, uh, just want to let you know that um, just with the elders' uh, help and guidance, uh, they, they're putting together a group that's kind of the uh, people who know more about building and finances and that sort of thing than I do, and they're putting them together, and they got together at the first of the month, they're getting together at the end of the month, and anyway, they're the ones who are going to start reporting on all the progress of the pillar and stuff like that, because uh, just get me out of the middle. So uh, I appreciate that, I thank them, and I feel protected, and uh, that's good. So, um, and you'll get more accurate information and more fuller story to all that through them at different times. So that'll be good. Uh, so, um, and you guys are starting to get nasty with those paper wads and stuff. You've got to be careful around this crew. I, I, I know that some of you were getting ready for the dodgeball tournament later, weren't you? That's what you were doing, yeah? Yeah, well, just watch out, watch out. Watch out for Jazz, man. He, he hurts people with dodgeballs, man. Uh, are, are, you, are we renting football helmets for this? No? Okay. Oh, you got to bring your own. Okay. All right. I would suggest a bike helmet, at least, if you got that. So, if not a, f- a full face mask, uh, hockey or football. Um, so, I, I, I got in here just a little later, so I don't know what Sue told of the Nehemiah story. Did we get the Nehemiah story? Kind of, sort of? Uh, we, they tore down, we build up. All right. So, that's what you got of the story. All right. Cool. Well, um, Nehemiah, here's the news. He's, he's in the, the, the Persian palace, and he gets news of what's going on in Jerusalem, that the wall is really messed up, uh, the city is in ruins, that uh, really things are in a sad shape. And Nehemiah, he weeps, he mourns, and he fasts. That's his response. Now, I know some of you, you might weep, you might mourn, you might fast when you find out your neighbor is putting up an offense, uh, and you don't like it, or... or or you're going to put up a fence and, and your neighbors don't like it. But this was a little more than putting up a fence. I mean, a, a wall was for a city was really uh, its protection. I mean, we got radar and all that kind of stuff now, but it was for the protection of the city, but it was also just a, a way where, where commerce was controlled and entered in and out, its protection from enemies. And, and so it played a huge role in, in the life of the city. And really, at this point, Jerusalem had become a ghost town. There was no one actually living in the city, as we find out and you read through Nehemiah. And I encourage you to read the whole book of Nehemiah because uh, it's probably a more Western writing than uh, Eastern writing in its form. Uh, Nehemiah writes it in first person. I, uh, cupbearer to the king, uh, and, and it was really his journal and we're used to kind of reading that sort of thing. And so I think you'll find the story very interesting, uh, very readable, and, it, and it's got some great, great parts to it that I won't be able to touch today. But uh, what I would like to just, just kind of go over this just to say, what I'd like to do, I'd like to approach the story of Nehemiah the way that uh, many of the early church fathers approach uh, the story of Nehemiah, and that is uh, that they looked at the city of Jerusalem uh, figuratively. Uh, they looked at it as if uh, Jerusalem was a person, as if Jerusalem were you and me. So as I kind of tell a little bit of the story and then kind of move in the figurative speech, uh, I'd like you to think of Jerusalem uh, as yourself, okay? So uh, he's weeping, he's mourning, he's fasting because the walls and gates of Jerusalem are broken down and the people, the people are in trouble and they're in disgrace. And uh, the temple was already rebuilt 
So there's this beautiful holy thing that has God's name attached to it. It's in the middle of all this rubble and ruins around it. And there's no protection for what's coming in and out of the city. Uh, the enemies were free to come and go. And, and so right there in the center of the ruin uh, is the temple. And in, in fact, uh, and, and people are just kind of going in and out to the temple to do their thing, walking past the ruins of the walls. And you know how long this has been going on? This has been going on for nearly a 100 years. They've been just... Well, that's just the way it is. That's just Jerusalem. That's just, that's, they'll never change. What can I do about that? Walls are broken down. It's in ruins. And they have just had kind of an apathetic view of it. They've they've ignored it. They haven't looked at it. And so the city, the city that was commissioned, commissioned by God to be the light to the nations is in disgrace. That is a problem. That is a problem that shouldn't be. But there's a solution. There's something that, that, that can be done. It's, it's what could be. And Nehemiah, as he's mourning over what shouldn't be, he, he begins, there's something born in his heart that is, but here's what could be. And this, this is, isn't this what God wanted, to be a light to the nations. And so there's something born in his heart. So there, there's a problem. There's what shouldn't be. There's a solution, what could be. And there is a man who knows what that something must be done. But the problem is, how does a cupbearer to the king do anything about this problem that's nearly a thousand miles away? What's he supposed to do about it? I mean, a cupbearer is a trusted person, uh, sometimes an advisor to the king, but also they're kind of disposable. I mean, they taste the, the wine to make sure it's not poison. So, I mean, there is some confidence with this man, but really, what, what kind of end does he have with the king? Well, there's a problem, there's a solution, and there is a man, but there is also a God, a God who is the God of how. And he brings about the circumstances for Nehemiah to leave the Persian palace and rally the people of Judah to rebuild the walls. And that's the story of Nehemiah, uh, and it tells the how. How God enabled these people to take what shouldn't be and turn it into what could be, what could be into a reality. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it did. My kids just told me this morning, if it rhymes, it it means it's a fact. So you can weigh that one out for yourself. Um, So despite uh, Nehemiah having threat from his enemies, that's what the paper wad throwing was going on, despite the threat from the enemies and the intimidation around him, Nehemiah shares the vision to the people of rebuilding the walls to make Jerusalem a functioning city again. And and Nehemiah organizes the builders, and and he organizes them around different sections of the wall to be repaired uh, by families. He organizes them by townsmen, fellow townsmen, and by common occupation. You know, there were some people from this town. Well, I'm going to put you together, and you're going to work here. Well, you're a family. You're going to work on this section of wall. Well, you're you're all the goldsmiths. Well, you're going to work right here on this section of wall. And so what Nehemiah did was he looked at people who already had relationship and he put them together side by side to work together. And in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, what maybe for most of us in, in Western thinking, Western literature would go, this is the most boring chapter. It's kind of probably the chapter that's his report to the king. I put this family here, this family there, and these townspeople here, the goldsmiths here, and they worked on these parts of the wall. And, but the coolest part and the most repeated phrase in it all in chapter 3 is next to him. Next to him. And, and it's a very beautiful phrase, and we'll get to that in just a moment. 
But I'd like you to remember that next to him. So they worked side by side. And when their enemies threatened to attack, each builder was told to strap a sword to their side. They also posted some guards. So they were able to defend their work if they needed to. And then Nehemiah reassured the builders with his presence. He he circuited the walls with his horse and and another guard that had a horn. He had people posted that were watching each side of the city. And if some some trouble was arising, the horn would be sounded. Everyone was to gather to him, and they were to fight and defend their work. Now, there's not only this opposition from the outside, but there's stuff going on the inside. And it's just just the nasty stuff that happens with people and life. I mean, you get a group of people together, any group of people together. I don't care how nice they are or what kind of Christian title they have on their name, any group of people get together and there's going to be some stuff that just happens and people mess up with other people. And it's just, it's just that kind of stuff was going on. And Nehemiah had to deal with it. There were some rich people oppressing the poor people in the city. And, and they were taking some of the poor people that, and they were saying, hey, you don't have money for your crops this year? Well, hey, sell me your daughter. She'll be my slave. And, and that kind of stuff. And Nehemiah sets it right. The rich stop oppressing the poor. And, and so in, in the midst of all this, opposition from the outside, nasty stuff on the inside, uh, Nehemiah completes building the wall in 52 days. 52 days. Now, hundreds of people have studied and written on Nehemiah as an example of extraordinary leadership. But really, the story as a whole is about a city of people being restored. It's about a city and a people being fortified and made strong. That's what it's about. So today, I don't want to talk about leadership. I don't want to talk about how great Nehemiah was as a leader and how you all should be like him, because not all of us are leaders, are we? But I want to talk about what it takes to fortify your faith. What it takes to build those walls of faith. You know, everyone likes to focus on the physical building of the walls but Nehemiah's concern was for his people. And I can tell you that the staff and the leadership of this church has concern, spiritual concern, for you. And they really want God's best for you. And so what I'm talking about here in the next few moments is we talk about this figurative idea that, that we're Jerusalem, we need to fortify, we need to build the walls, fortify our faith. I just want you to know this, this, is, this is important stuff. This isn't another sermon, just not another message that made up just because I didn't know what to do. This, this concerns the health and the strength of this church. All right? So, so this is important stuff. And right now, let's just pray. Lord Jesus, in the next few moments, uh, Lord, this is a group we love to have fun. We love to celebrate. And, and Lord, there's, there's good things going on, healthy things, and there's people that are strong. But there's also, Lord, there's some of us who are weak. And, and Lord, the strong need to help the weak. And, and we, need to, we need to join together uh, to really fortify our faith. And so, God, in the next few moments, open our eyes. Give us spiritual understanding. Help us to see reality, see things the way they really are. And Lord, but, but to have that in the light of hope of what could be and that we won't be discouraged or dismayed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, walls were what were needed to help this people of, of Jerusalem be secure and strong and, and fortified uh, and, and, and 
Figuratively, uh, uh, you know, many times in the Bible, Jerusalem is talked about as a person, as a woman. And, uh, you know, in the New, New Jerusalem and the New Testament is also referred to as the Bride of Christ. So today, imagine yourself as the city of Jerusalem. You are the city, and, and the temple of God resides within you. You know, this, this, this beautiful place where God is dwelling, it's right there in the center of it all, of your life. But the walls, they're in different states of strength and disarray, rubble. Maybe this part's standing, this part's not. There's a lot of, there might be a lot of rubble in certain spots that needs to be cleared away. You know, maybe, maybe your life, your faith needs to be fortified. Your faith needs to be made strong and secure. Fortify means to add material to, to strengthen, to enrich, to invigorate. That's what fortify means. You know, what's within you, what God is doing within you, what he is building, what he has started with the foundation block of Jesus Christ is of utmost significance of what he's building. It's important. And it needs to be guarded Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, people, above all else, do this. Guard your heart. I know we get our eyes off, off of spiritual things and eternal things, and we start thinking about temporary things and physical things. And This morning, I want to call you back. Think about what's important, what's eternal, right? Above else, guard your heart. Nehemiah just didn't rebuild the walls, but he called the people who lived outside the city to come and live and build their homes within the city of that deserted city. Now, maybe life within your heart, within you, feels a bit desolate, a bit deserted. Maybe there's some some things have been scattered in your life. Maybe it's time to do some gathering, bringing some things back in to your life so that there's the life, the spiritual life can resume. You know, Maybe there's some rebuilding that goes beyond just fortifying your faith. So, but first things first, you know, one of the things that Nehemiah did when he first showed up in Jerusalem is he, he took one night and, and went around and inspected the walls. And so first things first with us, you know, maybe uh, us as a Jerusalem, we, we just need to do a little inspection time. And I'm saying this as, as individuals, that, that maybe there's a moment where, like Nehemiah, at night, when there's not a lot of maybe noise, a lot of people around, a lot of distractions. Maybe there's no glow from a computer screen or telephone that, that you are actually listening and quiet and still. Maybe it's on your bed at night. Maybe it's in the morning when you're getting up. But there's some time where you just pray a prayer like, Lord, search me and know me. Test, test me. See if there's any anxious way or, or offensive way in me. God, lead me in your way, for the spiritual life to be built. You know, maybe it's not asking God to show you offensive ways, but it's just where you repeatedly get entangled in sin. It's like, God, I just keep getting entangled in the same sin over and over. What do I got to do to fortify that part of my life? What has to be added so I'm not always getting entangled in that again? You know, maybe as you inspect the walls of your faith, you'll find rubble and gaps where you're weak. You might see that your arms are feeble and your knees are weak, so there's going to need to be some clearing out of the rubble. Sometimes, like when people build around here, you've got to clear the lot before you can put up the building. Sometimes you've got to clear out the rubble, the spiritual rubble, so that you can build with the blocks and the things that Christ has given you. And so something's got to go before you can add something new. You've got to weigh that out. You've got to expect that. 
What are you going to find as you inspect the walls of your life, the walls of your faith? Are there parts that are devastated or are there parts that are solid and firm? You know, what about the gates? What about the entrances into your life? You know, are there some back doors where the enemy just continually comes in, that weak spot, and he's just walking right in, having free reign? Are there places that need to be strengthened where you need to put up a door? Maybe there's some places where you need to put lock and key in. You know, what are you going to find? If there are places where you find despair in your life, if there are places where there is discouragement, there is dismay, there is resignation or hopelessness, then I would say that there is some damage that might be done and that there is some rebuilding that's going to need to happen in your life. If there are some places in your life where you feel the enemy continually threatens you, you're going to need to fortify that part of your life. If there are places where you're being tempted to quit, to throw in the towel, you're going to need to fortify. You know, the enemy has schemes and plots. And most of those schemes and plots, you know what they're about? I'm going to get you to quit. I'm going to get you to give up. I'm going to get you discouraged. I'm going to get you to say it's not worth it. I'm going to get you to think about something that you you think is more valuable than your spiritual heart and your spiritual life. Those are a lot of his schemes that he tries to throw at you. And the enemy loves to be able to walk in whenever he wants and mess with you and just mess up the work of God that is being built in you. You know, the enemy does not want to see you fortify your life. I mean, if you do that, he doesn't got free reign to just come and go as he please. He can't gain entrance. So take time to inspect your faith. Don't be afraid of what you'll find. Just know that fear is a tool of the enemy. I know some of us is kind of like, man, I kind of know. It's kind of like that, that closet that you keep throwing a lot of junk in, and you just don't really want to, you want to clean the house, but you really don't want to clean that part of the house. I mean, it's kind of like that. I mean, it's like, some of you know, you just know there's that part. Don't be afraid to let God look there and say, this is what needs to be done to clean this out and to rebuild here, to restore, to fortify. Don't be afraid. And don't let the other side, don't let the other tool of the enemy, apathy, blind you. Don't let that happen. Don't, let, don't be like the people of Judah who for over a hundred years just got used to seeing the walls in rubble and disrepair. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way my life is. That's the part that's just broken down. It's never going to change. Open your eyes and really look at those things you've chosen to ignore and forget. God wants to rebuild those areas too. He really does. And He can do it. He wants every part of your life to be restored. And He wants you to be a light to the nations. So if you examine the walls, examine your faith, you're going to get an accurate picture of the reality of what is. But more than likely when you look, like when I look at my life, you're going to find what shouldn't be. There are times when I examine my heart, my faith, and I go, that just shouldn't be. That shouldn't be the way it is. But you've got to remember in those moments when you see what shouldn't be, you remember that Jesus, the architect of what's building in your heart, has a plan, and he has a hope for you, and he wants to guide you there. And, and don't give up the hope on that. Remember that you have a Nehemiah who's interceding for you before the king. He's saying things can change in this city, in this heart. Jesus is interceding before the Father saying, I will go and help rebuild and restore this life.
You have Jesus on your side. That's what he wants to do with you. So let's not let the enemy have his way with us. Let's let Jesus have his way with us. All right? There's hope. There's hope. Now, if Jesus is our Nehemiah, then how do we cooperate with his leadership and restoration? Like the people cooperated with Nehemiah. How do we do that? Well, look at the story and let's see what we can find out. You know, there's three things that I see how the people cooperated with Nehemiah's leadership in fortifying the walls and how we could cooperate with Jesus in fortifying our faith. One, you got to show up and pick up a weapon or tool. You got to show up and pick up a weapon or tool. Tool, two, you got you to work side by side. It's not a solo job. And in three, one section at a time. So let's look at number one. You got to show up and pick your tool, pick your weapon. Um, you know what? Your faith isn't going to be fortified all by itself. It's just not going to magically happen. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I asked all of you just to think about and to write down on cards, if you're willing, what it is that you need in your life, what it is that you want in your life. And, and, and all of us kind of being you know, open about sometimes needs and wants, we confuse and we're never really sure, so we'll let God sort that out. So you just wrote them out. And, it, and some of the things that we read and prayed over were very beautiful. I mean, you guys really took it seriously. I was really proud of you. There's really some great spiritual needs and great spiritual wants that were written down. And uh, we've been praying about those things. But I just want you to know that, you know, you can, you can say, I want, I want to grow. I want to know Jesus better. I want to be strong. I want to. I desire or I need. You can say that all, all you want and nothing will happen with just desire and want to. You know, it's kind of like, well, I want to lose 15 pounds. And I can keep telling you that as much as I want and as often as I want. And, but it's, it's, you know, Nothing's going to happen until I go on a diet and start exercising, is it? I mean, there's going to have to be some initiative on my part if I'm going to lose some weight. Same with us spiritually. There's going to have to be some initiative, initiative on your part. So, God gives us faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's our starting block. That's our cornerstone. It's, it's been given to us. But the Scriptures say that we are to add to our faith in Jesus Christ. I know some of you who are in your Calvin mindset, you're going, yeah, but it's solo this, solo that, faith alone, grace alone, word alone. Well, in the word, it says that we are to add to our faith. Second Peter first five through nine, it says you're to add to your faith certain things to fortify it. It says you're to add goodness. You're to add knowledge. You're to add self-control. You're to add perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. And it says if you don't add these things, that you're nearsighted. That, that you've forgotten the sin that you've been forgiven of. So we, we need to do these things. we got to show up, grab a tool, start building. Now let me give an example of a tool. I'll, I'll stop being figurative and I'll give you a practical. Um, a tool is knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. How has knowledge of God helped me? Well, uh, what is the object of our faith? It's God. And if that is the object of my faith... And, and this is all I know about God, then this is kind of where my faith is. It's right there. But if I know this much about God, then my faith is kind of like this. And I'm trying to avoid using words like big and growing your faith and that kind of thing because Jesus talks about faith being a mustard seed and moving a mountain. And, and so it, it, it's not always talked about in those terms. But, but I'm just trying to say the object of our faith is God. And He is amazing. 
And I, I tell you what happens. When I learn something about God, something changes for me in my faith and the way I, I act and live out that faith. Uh, here's an example of that. I, I, at one time, I didn't understand God's omnipresence. Omnipresent meaning that God is present everywhere. And, and when I thought about that at the time, and at the time there was only 6 billion people on the planet, and now there's 7 billion, there was a time when there was a billion less on the planet. Isn't that amazing? Uh, but I was thinking, well, God is like a man, and God is very busy, and he's got 6 billion people on the planet that he's got to take care of. And so, well, I won't bother him with some of my, you know, little detailed prayers because, well, he's got a lot. I mean, there's more important things than what i got to offer up in prayer. And, and, well, and, and God loves me. He loves the world. Yeah. So, I, you know, I got one six billionth of that pie, of the slice of that God's love pie. But when I found out what omnipresent means, that, that God is fully present everywhere, I found out I don't get a, a little one six billionth of the pie. I get the whole pie. And so do you. <laughs> and, and so do you. And the guy in China and the people in South America. And, and we all get the whole pie. Because God is not divided like us. God is not like a man. That changes how I pray. That changes how I think. That changes my faith. Can I tell you that knowledge of God can strengthen and fortify your faith? It can. That's why what we're talking about here this morning is important. So that blows my mind. I hope it can blow your mind. And I hope that there's other things that we can all learn together that would blow our minds and help increase our faith and strengthen our faith, fortify it. Knowledge can make your faith stronger. Where is that knowledge found? What does Sue say every morning with the kids? Watch this book. Bible is the most important book in the world. Yeah, that's where knowledge of God is found. I encourage you to go to the source, not to go to extracurricular sources. Go straight to the source. But you got to show up in the morning or in the evening, and you got to open up that tool. And within it, you're going to find His promises which can help you participate in faith instead of be a bystander of faith watching on the sidelines. Second Peter 1.4 says His promises allow us to be able to participate in His divine nature. They allow us to escape the corruption of the world. you got to know this knowledge. you got to know these promises. They make a difference in your faith. They fortify it. They strengthen it. Jesus loves it when you use the tool of His Word because by His Spirit, He can remind you of it and bring you strength. I tell you, uh, two weeks ago, I was up all night. I was fretting and worrying like a little baby over a decision for the church and had an elders meeting in the morning and it was four in the morning and it was just replaying in my mind. This choice or that choice? And both choices just stunk. And it was like, what are we going to do? Both choices for the church stink. What do we do? And so fret, 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 worry, 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 worry. And all of a sudden, something entered in into that little cycle. And, and it was this verse I had memorized ages ago when I was a kid. And it went like this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And as soon as it went, and, I, and, and it was in my mind, there was like a little flicker of hope. There was like a flicker of courage. And, 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 I'll, and I said, you know what, I, I need to repeat that. And so the next time, I consciously said, I'm going to repeat this. Because the first time, it came un, unbidden. But isn't that what the Holy Spirit does for us? John 14, 26, but the Holy Spirit, the counselor, who, who, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. 
That's his role. That's his role in our life. But we got to give him something to work with. And so uh, I made a point. There, was, there had been some things scattered in my life. And, and one of those things scattered was uh, these, these verses, this time that I took to invest in the Word of God. And I, these verses were scattered. And so since that time, because I recognized the strength that I gained from it, I mean, every time I repeated it in my head, I found more strength. And I found, you know what, that promise just isn't for everybody out there. That's God's Word to me right now in this moment. He will help me. He will strengthen me. And so I, I, I uh, began, I got this little note card set, and I just started writing down all the verses in the past that I've memorized. Started adding some new ones. Writing them down, I'm reviewing them, going over them. That's kind of gathering some things that were scattering. A little practical idea of, of when we talk figuratively, figuratively about Nehemiah bringing people back into the city to begin the rebuilding. So God will do the same for you. God's Word, we need to let it dwell within us richly. You know, there are other tools and weapons, but this one is the one that you cannot do without. So the second thing, fortify your faith. you got to work side by side. So first one is you got to show up and you gotta, you got to grab a tool or weapon. Number two is to fortify your faith. What we see in the story is you got to work side by side. You know, if Jesus, our Nehemiah, were writing down all the names of those building the wall of faith in their lives, who would be next to you? You know, if we had a little list and next to him, you know, Shannon was rebuilding at the Dung Gate. That's my name for that, that door over there is the Dung Gate. And, uh, and so next to him was, was uh, Greg. Next to him was uh, Michael. Next to him uh, was Charlie. Next to Charlie was uh, Tim. And next to him was Joel. And, you know, I'm not in this alone. And neither are you. Neither are you. The Christian faith is not meant to be lived alone. And if you are standing alone, that is not the way it should be. Nobody has to stand alone. Now, you might choose to remove yourself and stand alone. That is your choice. But in this church, there's no reason that you should be alone. No reason. The extension of friendship is there. Please take the extended hand. Take it. You are not alone in the good fight of the faith. And if you're standing alone, you're in danger from the enemy. The, lone, the, the wolf always goes after the lone sheep, tries to take them down. And, and besides just protection, I mean, there's just the camaraderie, the, the joy of knowing that we're in this together, that we're not alone, that we get, to, we get to do these things together. We get to build our faith together. You know, every stone in this thing that Christ is building is a living stone. It's connected to another. You know, when, when I'm building, you know, Jesus gives me my, my foundation Jesus Christ, cornerstone, and I say, I'm going to build my faith. And so I, I start building my wall of faith, but that's not a wall. That's a tower. I got my tower of faith. And when you're building a wall, it's interconnected. And it's connected with other people. And you notice how with this, it's leaning on others. That's kind of the way it works with the body of Christ. That's the way we build. It's together. It's not alone. It's not separate. We don't build towers. We build interwoven and connected things. So you got to get side by side with someone. You got to throw yourself into the relational pool. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm, I'm just, 
I got burned at the last place I was at, and I'm, and I'm, I'm wounded, and, and, and I'm just not ready to connect with other people, or I'm just not good at relationships. I'm not good with people. I'm an introvert. And, and, and what I'm telling you is, is what you got to do is you got to say, Lord, help me. Help me heal where I was hurt. You got to say, Lord, I'm not good at relationships, so help me so I can get better at relationships. That's what you got to do. So throw yourself in a relation pool. Serve on a Sunday. Get to a gel group. Invite someone to dinner. Go to lunch. Go for a drink. You got to work side by side, and there's got to be some initiative on your part. Everybody's got to work and do this together. Third thing in fortifying your faith, you got to do one section at a time. Don't worry about what's behind you. Don't worry what's beside you. Just concern yourself with what Jesus has put right in front of you. If you got a tool and a weapon in your hand, if you got someone on either side of you, don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. The Lord has got you. He's going to watch over you as, as you're working on this section of faith in your life. He's going to help you build it. You know, if there's a problem, if there's danger, Jesus is going to warn you. He's going to warn, sound the warning signal so that you'll be alert of danger. And in the meantime, all you got to do is just ask him, Jesus, what is the next step in my spiritual journey? And how do I take it? And I believe he'll tell you. I really do. Look, you know, Nehemiah, he was able to complete his work in 52 days. But Jesus' work in our lives, it might take a little longer than 52 days. Just a little bit. But the good news is, it's what it says in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on till, into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to finish what he started in you. Jesus isn't going to quit on you. The Lord is not going to quit on you, what he's building in you. Now, I know that what we're hoping, what we're praying for as a church is, is that that somehow we can cooperate with Jesus and what he's building in us, what he's doing. And, and we want to move beyond the I wish, I want to, to taking some initiative. And, you know, there's been some moments in the past where we offer different things and say, well, hey, here is, um, here's a way that will help you grow. Here's a, a, a course. Here's a study time. Here's a workshop. And, and, and so we're always thinking, the, the leadership of the church trying to think, what can we do? that will help people, there'll be maybe a different time, a different format that will work better for some people that haven't been able to take opportunity and things that we offer to help people to grow. And so, uh, there, you know, there's some inspiration from Nehemiah this week in, in putting this all together and, and uh, with some things that we've been working on in the past. And, and so there's this idea of, well, let's just offer 52 days of training. 52 thing. And with the 52 thing, there's, there's, there's training in how to be a student of the Word, a student about prayer, about how to articulate your testimony, the gospel. There's things about uh, uh, facts behind your faith, apologetics, uh, all these things in, in, in 52 days. And, and I'm not, like Nehemiah, I'm not asking for a 12-hour sun-up to sundown kind of day from you. I'm just asking for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. 8, 8.30 to 9.45 over here in Studio B. And if you're somebody that's like... Yeah, I want to start training. I, I, and I don't want to do that try and fail cycle, try and fail cycle, and then I quit. What I want to do is just go, I'm going to commit to training. I'm going to be like an athlete. I'm going to be like a, like a soldier. And I'm going to just know that, okay, I'm not going to be able to run a marathon after one day of training. 
I, I'm going to have to have a, there's a plan and I'm going to work it. And I'm going to work this plan and, and hopefully by the end of this plan, I'm, I'm going to be a little more fortified in my faith. I'm going to be a little stronger. And, and, and yeah, maybe after 52 days, I can't run a marathon, but I can run five miles. So this isn't the end-all, be-all, but, but it's something, again, our church wants to offer. And, and if, if you're saying, man, that's what I need to do. I need to fortify my faith, then this might be it. We'll divide it up into four sections, 13 days each, or 13 Sundays, 13 hour and 15 minutes. And, and we'll start August 26. And, uh, and you know, and, and you'll be here, and when it's done, it'll be like, hey, you're just here in time to join some people who are serving and setting up. And if you want to, you can do that. Or you can go to breakfast with somebody and have a conversation. You know, think about it. And so I, I, I want you to think about this. I want to think about, I want you to think about what you need to do to fortify your faith. I want you to spend some time asking God about this and what you need to do. And is, is what we're offering, will it be helpful to you? And we'll try to give some more description to it uh, in the coming weeks before August 26. But I'm not asking you to commit to it now, but I'm asking you to think about it and take it seriously. All right? So right now, uh, the guys are going to come up. They're going to continue to lead us in worship. And in our worship, I think our attitude this morning is really, it's just, it's just the attitude of, Lord, show me. What is it you're building in me? And how do I cooperate with you and what you're building? What would you like me to do to cooperate with, with the work that you're doing in my life? Do I, am, am I lacking some side-by-side? Do I need to connect relationally with some people? Am I kind of doing, trying to do this without weaponless, without tools? Am I trying just to wish myself to strength, wish myself to fortifying? And, and, and am, I, am I freaking myself out because I'm just worried about all kinds of areas of my life and I'm just not focusing on today and what you have right before me, the next step? Lord, just to show me how I'm supposed to approach this. And so as we worship... Let this be kind of some of the prayers that are coming up from us, okay? So would you stand with me? We're going to uh, continue in our worship right now. I'm going to pray, and then Nate's going to lead us. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, we ask that, that you'd speak to us and to our spiritual hearts, our spiritual minds. And Lord, by your Spirit, communicate to our spirits. Lord, what is it that we need? What is it that you are crying out from within us, saying, I need you I want you. What is it that you're crying out for, Spirit? What is it you want in us? Show us, speak to us. Show us how to address it, how to act, how to respond. Let us be responsive people to you. In Jesus' name, amen.